This episode today is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co. Grinding Coffee, a black LGBTQ-owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PITLANEPARLAY for 13% off your order. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. New co-host, Frenchie, joins for F1 now every week. And he is subject to the torture of having to stare at my face for the next half hour or so. Frenchie, welcome. And we're going to start with trivia. And because I know you are a trivia geek, I... I dug hard. I googled hard F1 trivia. So let's see if this holds up. In 1968, Lotus was the first team to feature sponsorship on their cars. Who sponsored them? Who was that? Gold Leaf. God damn it! Yeah, it was. I thought that I don't was know a what good Gold Leaf too. was. Me either. I assume tobacco. Yeah, yeah, probably. For those wondering, the regulations were loosened in 1968 to allow for sponsors on the cars, and obviously the green lotuses were replaced with the with a new gold paint scheme for gold leaf. So that's what I've got there. We're going to talk a little bit, I think as long as Frenchie has it near him, the history of F1 in Mexico, and then we'll do some news and preview the race. We'll do it in that order cuz why the hell not? So, what do you have on the lovely country of Mexico and Formula 1? I think F1 hard trivia is going to have to step it up for me. We'll see. I'm I'm willing to take on that challenge. That was I thought I had a good one to start there. I'm I'm very dis- I'm super disappointed that I could not stump you on the first one. Matt calls you old, but I'm the one with really the old like soul of some kind yeah. implanted from some man who lived a former life or something. <laughs> yep. All right, so Mexico coming up this weekend. I'm excited. I think it'll be fun to do this before the races, kind of go back to what you were talking about, me being the trivia geek, uh, yeah. do a little bit of the history of this track in Formula One, and some of the tracks obviously coming up uh, and throughout the season are going to have no history with Formula One, but Mexico's not one of them. Um so Mexico, Mexican Grand Prix has been held since 1962. It was a non-championship race that first time. And you can guess uh, the master of the 60s, Jim Clark, won that first race. And then he actually won the first uh, championship points race in 63 as well. But two kind of really interesting facts that I read up on about Mexico are that in 65, um, Richie Ginther actually won his only Formula One race there, and it was Honda's first F1 win ever oh. as a constructor. Interesting. And the second is that Gerhard Berger actually won his first Grand Prix there in 1986 for Benetton BMW, and that was the first race at the Hermanos Rodriguez circuit that we know of today, obviously with a different layout. Awesome. Okay, so I changed my mind. Next, we're going to we're gonna do our prediction. We're going to preview the race real quick. 
talk about predictions. I don't think there's too much in terms of previewing going on. Max Verstappen's now got a 12-point lead heading into Mexico. We'll do the, we'll do the news after this. And let me see. Max Verstappen's got a 12-point lead. I don't think there's too much else. No F2 drivers are making an appearance this weekend as far as I can tell. So let's go over the times, and then we'll just jump right into predictions. Times, Friday practice starts at 1.30, I believe that's Eastern time, so 1.30 Eastern. Qualifying Saturday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The race Sunday at 2 p.m. So these afternoon races, as as nice as they are, Frenchie, I don't really like them as much as waking up and having the race at like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. I think we've gotten spoiled over the last two years with, I, I don't want to say spoiled because COVID existed. Maybe maybe we can pretend I didn't say that, but I do. I much prefer the morning starts, having my cup of coffee and having and, and watching the race and then having you know, football, hockey, whatever other sport, IndyCar on later in the day. So I don't know if you, you agree, disagree, think I'm an idiot. No, racing to start the day is amazing. It like motivates me to wake up on a Sunday when I don't really want to get out of bed. <laughs> so that's definitely, I agree with you there because wait until the mid-afternoon, it's kind of like I don't know what to do with myself and then it ruins my plans for the day, I would say, if I want to go yeah. to a brewery or like, do something outside, take the dog on a hike, whatever. Uh, I don't really want to do that because I am want to be glued to the TV for the F1 race. Yeah, and I have to help my parents this weekend with some things to pack up at the at the summer house. So now I'm going to be like exhausted and sweaty, and then I have to be like, oh, yeah, I have to drive an hour back home so I can watch the race because we don't have cable down there right now. So everything is going to be a little bit hectic this weekend, but that's fine because I got to spend last weekend at a racetrack we talked about that yesterday on the IndyCar episode, so I don't need to rehash that again. Mexico, one of the coolest tracks, obviously, because it goes through the uh, the stadium there. I lo- that's probably one of the most iconic sections of stadium ever, I can think. Racing through a stadium looks super cool, but I don't have much else in terms of previewing before we get to new stuff, so... Let me get open a notepad here, sir, and we can do our predictions. So up first, let's let's start with the who is going to be your dark horse to make the top ten. I think dark horse to make the top ten this week. Let's say let's say Vettel. Okay, that's fair. Vettel squeaked in with a P10 last race, I believe, in uh, in Coda. I almost forgot where they were. I will go with, let's go real bold this weekend. Let's go George Russell. He's kind of had a string of real crappy luck lately. Let's next go to who is going to have a bad weekend. Bad weekend? I think Yuki is going to have a bad weekend this weekend because he did pretty well last weekend, but he has seemed to be really inconsistent lately. So, I mean, I kind of hope, part of me hopes that's wrong because I want him to go on a little bit more of a streak and see what we kind of expected of him, but I don't necessarily think that will be the case. Okay, fair. I'm going to go Carlos Sainz for absolutely no reason other than I scrolled across and found his name when I was looking for who to pick, so he is my pick there. 
Frenchie, good weekend prediction. Let's say that Lando is going to come back and have a good weekend. Damn, you stole my answer. I don't think he did that well last, what was that, at the U.S. Grand Prix? Was he seventh or something? I think eighth, but yeah. So, okay, I will go with... All my all my takes so far could be totally hit or miss. I don't want to go too safe here. Let's go with Checo Perez. It's his home race. He's with a he's he's starting to get a feel for that car really well. So I think he's going to continue it. And let's say he's going to finish in the top two on the podium. I'll really stick my neck out there. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't gonna... think he's finished better than seventh before no, at Mexican no. Grand Prix. Oh, the one other thing Mexico related, which. Is more so for qualifying, which emerged in Circuit of the Americas, is if there is a double yellow flag and you pass somebody or you do not slow down enough, your lap time will be deleted. So, you know, a little bit of an easier way to figure out if somebody is kind of slowing down. So that's, I guess, not bad. But, all right, we're going to dive into the news. Frenchie, I'll turn it over to you. I know you have some links saved, and I have a few saved myself. So I'll let you start. Yeah, so the first thing, I guess, goes back to last weekend with the U.S. Grand Prix. And I think you actually sent me this. So I may be stealing one of your links and taking it from you just to start I with. I have nothing from Coda, so you're you're good there. Okay. Um, so Honda, as we know, are leaving the sport. Um, but they're kind of going to continue on a partnership with Red Bull moving forward. But their boss, um, and I think I practiced how to say his name. Oh, yeah, I'm going to butcher this one, so that's all you. Yeah. um, Maybe I'll just go with his last name because that's easy. Mr. Yamamoto uh, has not ruled (laughs) out uh, staying with Red Bull because he really feels that it's not a good time for Honda to leave F1. Um, Although he kind of admits that it's important for them to commit to becoming carbon neutral, but he hasn't ruled out kind of staying on with Honda or with Red Bull, I'm sorry, as like a... I guess liaison almost someone that stays on from Honda and really helps them out. What do you think that what might do for them moving forward if that ends up happening? I think it will help Red Bull get a handle on anything that they're not familiar with engine wise or technology wise. And obviously we've seen Honda has really come on strong the last couple of years. So it's definitely not a bad thing. He's got years of expertise in formula one and and engine craft so i think he'll at at the worst just be a sounding board at the most almost just continue in his current position and just get hired by red bull so i think it's great that it sounds pretty promising that he's going to stay so i think it's it's a great move for for red bull and you know, for mr yamamoto it's also a great move because he'll be in a, a prime seat to capture maybe a constructors championship or another or, or or potentially another driver's championship if if max holds on this year and wins so good move all around yeah we saw what happened the last time honda pulled out and uh braun took over and they just dominated the 2009 season so who knows if that might end up happening again with new regulations in 2022 but uh, i mean i i could totally see it happening all right here so i have one and then we'll go back to you we'll we'll alternate back and forth here Williams, they're back to the woodshop approach again, which is super disappointing. Williams has admitted that they are going to start next year on the back foot because they have not produced a quote-unquote mule car, a.k.a. just simply a test car, 
for next month's post Abu Dhabi postseason Abu Dhabi test. So in other words, they're not building a car, a 2022 model car to test next month after the finale, which I just I think is a horrendous idea. I know there's financial considerations involved here, but the Doralton Capital people said, no, I don't think this is the right move financially, and I think that is just a horrendous decision. I don't know if you agree but or or disagree, but I, I don't – at a time where literally, they're the only team not doing this test. Yeah, I'm really bummed to hear that. Uh, I thought that Doralton Capital was a good thing for the team, and I still do think it is a good thing for the team, but to see them kind of already starting to – almost take a Haas approach of, oh, let's just step back and not do this test and not do the development that we need to do because it costs a lot of money. You can't really come into the sport and be all excited and just not spend money and basically give up already. Yeah, it just it just seems very backward, especially with a new car. You want all of your potential resources in play here, and then you now you, you're starting, like they admit, on the back foot, which I think is it's just asinine and stupid and we'll we'll go back to calling them the the woodcraft shop when 2022 starts yeah and i had really hoped that the new regulations would help them out and the fact that they're almost just going to kind of step back from these opportunities that they're being thrown in their lap and not take advantage of them uh, i'm shaking my head everybody i i don't know what, i don't know what to say yeah i'm displeased so talking about being displeased and asinine and stupid, um, our favorite driver, and the bias is very clear from me, I'm sorry about that, but uh, Nikita Mazepin has said recently that for, for him it was important to reach Formula One in the first place, and maybe he'll get an offer from a better team at some point. So clearly our pal Nikita was smoking a lot of reefer this weekend, or last week whenever that was, because... The only way you could think you would get a better offer than Haas after the dismal season you've had is if you were on a severe amount of drugs. And just going back to what you and Matt were talking about on last week's episode with how he was really critical of the team about the headrest, I mean, it's it seems clear that he's not pleased. But if I'm going to be honest and look at Mick Schumacher's performance, I don't think it's the team's fault here. I think we're looking at a driver who probably doesn't belong in F1. Yes, I have no issue with that as well. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indie. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. 
The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. We're going to move on from that one. So let's see here. This is kind of a cool one. F1 is going to have kind of a, sounds like I'm in kindergarten, show and tell with the media next year uh, for the 2022 car between, I think, I think it'll be Friday morning. They'll Teams will show changes that have been made to the car, the, the car in general, other things to get you know greater engagement and, and greater insight for for fans that are interested there will also be some sort of tire experiments they're going to look at weekends where they can reduce the number of tires available etc so what do you think about f1 show and tell and good idea bad idea overkill where do you where do you fall on that one i'm assuming that these are aspects of the cars that are going to be shared because otherwise I don't understand how you would kind of keep anything secret that you've done in your own team's development. Yeah, that's my biggest fear is, are you going to pay somebody in the media just to be like, hey, go go take a picture of their rear diffuser and get up close, you know, pretend you're tying your shoe and take a picture. Like, it opens up a gray area. I don't think it's, it's probably not that big of a deal, but... It, it could it could be very interesting. Then again, I'm probably just reading into it too much because it's November and there's plenty of time to think about it until the season starts, but I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I think there's spying that probably goes on an F1 and so much so that we don't hear about ever. But I would guess that the show and tell is going to be a good thing. I mean, anything to open the sport up more to fans, especially the new individuals who are getting into it with Drive to Survive and just the kind of resurgence of F1 popularity in, in new areas, new countries, new regions, I think can do nothing but probably increase viewership and interest. Yeah, I agree there. And hopefully whenever the media covers it in person or they post this stuff online they do it in a way that's easy for the maybe less technically inclined people to understand so yeah you got anything else i got one more i've got kind of three items i'm going to roll into one that i found that are okay more or less about tracks um that i've seen comments about that want to be added to the schedule in the future different drivers different individuals talking about it so Alonzo has mentioned that he wants Jerez to return to the F1 schedule and that he hopes they can have two races in Spain. Um, I think that would be pretty cool if it would replace uh, Barcelona. That'd be even better. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really remember the racing at Jerez because I think the, I don't know when the last race there was. Was it in the 90s? I would imagine. I mean, I know that the 97 incident i guess we'll call it between schumacher and jack villeneuve was at jerez i am looking it up while you continue on with whatever whatever other tracks there are so the other one is uh adam stern of sports business journal tweeted something about stefano domenicali and the company's director of race promotion chloe target adams 
uh, were in Las Vegas recently and actually discussed that there are three possible circuit designs. So it seems like that's moving forward, that the Las Vegas rumors that we're hearing are more than just kind of, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. I'm I'm open. I'm more open to Vegas than I was a couple weeks ago, but we I, I don't know. I would have to see the designs. Obviously, it looks like they're maybe coming up with something brand new, but... Uh, real quick, Jerez, the last F1 race was 97, but it hosted F2 just a couple years ago in 2017, and as of this year, had regional F4, I believe, and Moto2, and something that I don't know what it is, a World Supersport World Championships, just another motorcycle-based series. So there's it's still active, which I guess is a good thing. At least you know the track's probably in good condition. Yeah, that definitely sounds like the FIA has you know certified it in some way to yeah. run those series. Maybe not to the you know the safety or the level that Formula One would need, but it it wouldn't need that much work probably. The final thing that I saw was that was interesting was I don't really know where this came from or if anyone has really been talking about it, but Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc both. Um, mentioned recently that they'd love for F1 to return to South Africa and Kyalami. And the last race we saw at Kyalami was in 1993. Um, but apparently due to the pandemic, um, F1 was going to host a fan festival in Johannesburg, South Africa last year, but I guess that was called off. So I think it'd be really cool to go back. You know, any of these retro tracks, we're talking about Jerez, we're talking about Kyalami. Just get these new cars, you know, especially for the new regulations where we're supposed to see better racing. Get them back on some of these classic circuits. I think that'd be great. I agree. Yeah, I think all those would be cool. All right, got one more. This one, I think we're going to agree on this one, but F1 eyes up to six sprint races next year with potential for points to be awarded to everybody in the top 10. So A, Frenchie, is six sprint races too many and b what do you think about the points allocation they are considering i am not all in on the sprint races based on watching the ones that happened so far this year um i guess it's it's more racing for the fans to watch uh and i i don't know how the teams really feel about it just based on there being two races a weekend almost then um but I guess it's good for tracks, good for attendance. Uh, you know, it's it's really just I th- I think in a way a gimmick for the fans um, to allow for more racing. But I so to me that the points thing, giving points to everyone in the top ten, seems like a little bit of a joke. And I don't know if I would like to see that because you know we see a point for qualifying on pole, but you know some points for qualifying on pole but we don't necessarily see everyone in the top 10 getting points and I, I don't think we need to change that really yeah i agree six is too many i wouldn't do more than two or three next year and even then i i haven't honestly thought about the sprint race sprint races other than you know since the last one the points i i would say maybe top five would be okay but a top 10 is too many for for a you know, 30% race or 15% race, whatever it kind of averages out to be there. But that's all we got, guys. We will be back next week to talk about Mexico, and we're going to preview something because 
There's another, I know, I think we're in a triple header right now. I'm looking up where we're going. I don't know where they're going, and I'm not even traveling. Oh, mm, so we have Brazil next weekend and Qatar the weekend after that. So plenty of races in the near future. Frenchie, thanks for taking over Hickey Slot and educating me on everything Mexico and helping out. And the two of us will be back next week to... Talk more Formula One. Everybody have a lovely weekend of racing. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.